But are you backing next-gen gaming, Gavin? Um, yes, I am. But I also think it's going to be the last-gen gaming. Thereafter, we're going to move to server-side gaming, where the end devices, the client devices, will matter a lot, lot less. And the biggest growth won't be on PCs and consoles. The biggest growth will be on mobile devices. People on mobile devices going head-to-head -head against people on other platforms. Yeah, that's going to be the future, especially in emerging markets like South Africa, where the barrier to entry to gaming is essentially the 10 grand to buy the console, the 10 grand to buy the PC, which no one has. Everyone's got the five, six grand for a good phone. I think that's the future of gaming in South Africa. So here's where I'm at, and I might steal a bit of this from, from The Verge's conversation about mm. it, but like releasing two separate devices or two separate units like the PS5. Uh, actually, we are in the 97th episode of the Overclocked ZA podcast already. Gosh. Welcome, listeners. I'm Lindsay Shooters. I think, I think you're in the 98th episode. <laughs> and 98? I know that because I'm Gavin Dudley, the master, <laughs> the boss of all things. <laughs> <laughs> but as, really. I, as I was saying, Gavin, I think that it doesn't send a good, a good message because now you have the big push towards server-side gaming. Um, that's why they, they are confident enough to produce the lower-end devices, the lower-cost devices without the optical drive. Um, so this is definitely last generation of optical drive. So then why beef up the... Are you going to have a different experience on server-side gaming with the more powerful console um, or if if the, the lower powered one is enough why release two <laughs> well I mean I think they, they've probably got at least five six seven years for the server-side gaming market to mature um, the thing that struck me is really interesting about these consoles without the disk drives where you essentially have to buy the game through the store through the online store is that when you buy things through the online store, PlayStation gets its little slice, exactly yes. like Apple. Xbox gets its little slice, exactly like Apple. Whereas when you go to the store and buy the disc, they don't necessarily get their slice. Yeah. So it's definitely in their interests to sell <coughs> the discless machines or the, the machines without the disc drives or the machines without the optical disc drives mm. at, a, at a discount because you're going to make back way more money than that just from people buying the games through your online store compared to buying the disc in the store. Mm. So that's what makes a lot of sense to me. But I, I really do believe that server-side gaming is definitely going to be the future. Low bandwidth, notwithstanding cheap end devices, notwithstanding... A server-side gaming, it's what makes sense to me, actually. Yeah. Mm. So would you buy a powerful Android tablet now, or would you buy a PlayStation 5 or Xbox? Oh, yeah, I'm not that much of a gamer. I mean, the kind of games I play are kind of slow-paced games, you know, where the graphics are kind of very mediocre, mm. and it's mostly a, a mental process. So I can't really speak for the high-velocity gaming that characterizes video games today. I think the majority of new gamers are going to be on mobile devices, yeah. certainly, and I actually think it's going to be phones, just because the barrier to entry to gaming is not the price of the games, it's the price of the device to play them on, which is far more expensive than the game itself. So, maybe people who would have been limited to a three or four thousand rand phone are going to stump up for a seven, eight thousand rand phone, yeah. because it's now going to double as their, their game console. Yeah. You know, yeah so, like you, uh, so, what I'm hearing from you is that 5G capability um, on device so you can have like that the fastest the option of the fastest possible data connection on mobile yeah and, I think especially if you're going to be cross-platform yeah. you're playing you know phones against PCs mm. and consoles which are you know wired into people's Wi-Fi then your 
your lag time and your response time is going to be critical and 5G mm. is going to be the only way you can really be competitive. So that's yeah. a case for it yeah, right I'm, there. I'm struggling to see like what the actual hardware requirements outside of 5G antenna, outside of Wi-Fi 6 yeah. is going to be on, on mobile devices so that they can be competi com competitive. Um, when playing competitively on, on servers. Um, just to move a little bit sideways, I thought we should do a show at some point about the real-world applications for 5G. Because, you know, it's just being thrown around like a thing that's going to happen and it's going to be fabulous. Mm. But if you and I actually unpack some real business cases or real use cases for 5G, I think we might find it's a lot more limited than we thought. You know, okay, so everything's faster, you connect faster, everything comes down faster. Yeah. But, you know... Uh, what does it mean? I wait a fraction of a second less for my YouTube clip to start playing? What does it mean? It depends on what you are doing. If you well, are actively uploading, like I, to halve, effectively halve my upload speeds on, on my YouTube videos um, and doing like online stuff like that, it makes a lot of sense for me, but then my data costs just spiral yeah, out of control. But also the vast majority are consuming a lot more than they're creating yes. and uploading. So it's really for 90% of people, it's about the download speeds, almost and, and entirely about the download we, we've speeds. We've had that, that conversation um, about how people really need to optimize their relationship with their technology. If you're spending like 20 grand on a phone oh, right. just to watch Netflix, you should you do know, more. Yeah. You, you, should, you should be doing more mm, okay. on, on those but, sorts of devices. But we must talk, we'll talk about 5G in some detail in the future, not today, it just isn't time. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on, Gavin, other new things that launched the Hero 9 Black. Fine, uh, the GoPro Hero 9 Black no. finally broke cover. 10,000 Rand, 5K resolution video, 20 megapixel stalls. GoPro, GoPro is suffering the same problem that the iPad suffered, which is the product is so good and so adequate to your needs that there's very little incentive to upgrade, especially when you're paying a massive premium for it. There's even less incentive to upgrade. So I think GoPro ran into that problem. It saturated its market. Everybody got one mm. and then thought twice about getting a new one and thought again about getting a new one. One, but waited and waited and you know I think you have to see a big leap up in the technology now before you plonk down another seven eight grand for a new GoPro yeah mm. yeah yeah it's 10 grand for a GoPro is insane um, what's even more insane is that they are not using a one-inch sensor I thought they would upgrade to a one-inch sensor mm. on this one it's still like a cell phone sized sensor it's and not it's, even five, a half it's 5k inch. right uh, yeah 5K maximum, maximum resolution of 5k and um, that's gonna be good for like um, punch, being able to punch into the frame right um, Big, big upgrade is a front-facing color LCD screen. Mm. Um, I forget if it's touch or not. Now, okay, so I, you know, I again, yes, I struggle with the use cases on yep. the GoPro. One of the reasons I think also that their sales stalled is because people thought that their downhill mountain biking was going to be a hell of a lot more interesting than it actually is. You know, eventually it's just not all that exciting because yeah. a, you're not all that good to start with. You know, and maybe once or twice you ended up in the water or racing downhill mm. and it was interesting but you just weren't filming yourself every weekend it just wasn't interesting to you yeah. or anyone else frankly um, so your case for the GoPro really kind of went down a bit um, and uh, and so now what is the point of the front-facing LCD it would only be for selfie action yeah, if you to, need to, to see to what, frame you, what you're filming so, yeah. so for like high-end content creation especially like I, I've said before on this podcast I assist on some car shoots as well for television productions um, and I also do my own kind of YouTube stuff that opinion guy is where you'll find me on YouTube and for those applications where your production value is higher I mean this isn't you're not gonna drop 10 grand on something that you're gonna film your kids 
yeah. non-existent birthday party yeah. now. <laughs> and you know, if you if you spent seven grand on your last GoPro and mm. realized how little you actually used it, you're even more reluctant to spend yeah. ten so grand like, on a new GoPro's one. The GoPro's nice. Action cameras are nice because they're small and you can like fit them in places where you don't need to worry about them too much. Mm, uh, but, but but again, at this price, like you're gonna think twice about mounting yeah. this on the outside of a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, also there are a couple more competitors now. Admittedly, GoPro survives by virtue not only of its excellent hardware, but also because it's got great user-friendly software. Yeah. All the other sort of lesser brands, the, the software is what always lets them down and turns it into a bad experience for you. It's the same with Fitbit, and you can buy a no-name band tracker, but you know the software on your phone is what makes it work for you in the end, and it's the same with these action cams, I think. Mm. So you can buy a cheap cam, but the software is going to let you down. Yeah. yeah, 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 I'm feeling you. Ten I'm, grand, I'm, though, jeez. That, that's a lot of yeah. money. Javin, uh, in terms in the world of phones, you still playing with the the Vivo X50 Pro? Yes, yes. And I'm, give I'm, us give us top five. It it really does live up to expectation on the camera front. So it's got a gimbal mounted main sensor, 48 megapixel, which is really quite extraordinary when you see it working and so on. And the best thing about having a camera mounted on a gimbal is that when you go in for low light photography, you can now have much longer exposures because your hand shake doesn't affect your low light exposure nearly as much. So your night shots come out superb. And it's got a five times optical zoom camera. So between the gimbal mounted main shooter and the five time telescopic uh, zoom cam, um, You've got great options. Then it's got a whole separate camera, which is just called Portrait. And to be honest, I haven't figured out what it does. Um, I'm sure Lindsay will figure it out and tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the traditional wide angle. The wide angle is also very good. So I take a lot of pictures with all of these. Um, the pictures are superb, on par with the very best that Huawei and Samsung have to offer. The problem is that although this phone has got 5G as well to complement its excellent cameras, it's costing 19,000 Rand. And I think in South Africa, for 19,000 Rand, you can get a lot of Samsung, you can get a lot of Huawei, you can get a lot of other kinds of phones. You'll probably even get a lot of iPhone for 20,000 Rand. So to spend 20,000 Rand on a brand which hasn't fully established itself in South Africa, I think is going to be a problem. And you know, Vivo is big everywhere in the world, but in South Africa, it's still bubbling under. For 20,000 Rand, I'm not sure people are ready to put down that kind of money on a brand. They haven't had a relationship with previously that's my thought um talking about vivo uh a little bird told me that their sister brand or at least their so vivo oneplus and oppo are all part of the same group and oppo is coming to south africa now is it your understanding that oppo is kind of the mid brand um, and OnePlus is the mega premium. Uh, I'm not actually really sure how they're doing that now because Oppo, obviously on like the Find X, they launch, they debut a lot of product mm -hmm. or at least a lot of technology. So like SuperVOOC charging, all that all came out of like Oppo and then it filters through to the other one. So I think Oppo's I at see. the top and then OnePlus and Vivo are kind of on the same kind of consumer really? tier. Really? Yeah. Okay. Is that a, okay. My feeling OnePlus's is... OnePlus's marketing is a lot better. Okay. Um, right. But OnePlus, I think, was their online brand because a lot of these companies, they like Huawei and Honor, where they have an online brand mm. um, that does very good in, in markets where they can't really necessarily invest I've, in brick and mortar. I've got a metaphor for you. Yes. I think, in my, in my mind, OnePlus is a BMW mm -hmm. and Oppo is Land Rover and Vivo is Mini. Okay. That's my rough okay. analogy. They're all great cars. None of them are super cheap rubbish. Yeah. They're all pretty good. 
but you know you can get a mini that costs a little more than a BMW depending on the spec that you get yeah. and so on um, but you know broadly the BMW is the one plus mm. Oppo is the Land Rover which is then not quite as high performance but you can still get very high performance Land Rovers mm -hmm. Evokes and whatnot um, and Vivo would be the sort of the, okay. the entry level to so, that stable. So, so, so I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll tailor your <laughs> right. yeah, I'll shape a little bit for me. Thank you. <laughs> so let's at least look at the same kind of 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 group. So then and you get. May, may I just point out? This is important for the listeners because Vivo has been here for a year. It's trying to yes. establish itself. Yeah, they're broad, pushing out there the premium, and more premium stuff. It's now. having to pull itself into a market that's already saturated with phone brands. But you like competition? For, yes, no, I do. We do very big on competition. So that's okay. And now we we, we hear that Oppo is arriving, yes. which is even more vendors coming to the marketplace. So it's quite important to see how they position themselves and what their strategy is going to be. Yeah. Okay, sorry, your metaphor. Uh, my metaphor is like you look at. Um, Jaguar Land Rover. Uh -huh. So then you have Land Rover and Range Rover, and then you have Jaguar. Um, so Jag is kind of Land Rover is kind of marketed better. Um, Range Rover is then for the upper classes, mm -hmm. the upper tier, and then Jaguar is like the separate brand that shares all of the same product DNA um, with them. So I'm gonna okay, put, so which of which of these is the first? I'm gonna say oneplus is jaguar where they kind of playing in their own space but okay. their technology is exactly the same as what's happening in, La in okay in land rover all right then oppo is yeah the the range rover mm -hmm. which was like kind of the original stuff yes. and then that tailored down to a more consumer-centric brand which is vivo mm -hmm. which is then the land rover in this whole analogy wait, um, wait, but, wait, wait hang on so okay so it's land rover range rover and jaguar yes. that's what you call yes, it okay yes, yes. so land rover is your common and garden yeah. vivo no okay. one plus because OnePlus, OnePlus plays in this weird space where they, they started very cheap with the very high-end specs. Uh, Are you sure that Vivo is in the entry to the brand? Okay, well, I think we're confusing the <laughs> listeners who, who themselves have not owned any of these brands. Right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe we can move on. Just so you're aware that these three brands are coming, two of them are now here. Uh, yeah, two of them are here. Um, OnePlus is kind of making inroads. I'm yeah, there's OnePlus, a lot of gray action going yeah, on. Yeah, they had really interesting maverick marketing campaigns in the past, OnePlus. Made it like a sort our sought-after brand because mm. of how they marketed the thing but now it's just another phone brand but highly regarded internationally probably higher higher regarded than oppo i would say mm. gavin yes. you have a how-to about hot spotting yes. so using your phone as a hotspot i'm sure a lot of people know how to do this gavin yes 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 but there's a way to do it now check this out okay um now you want to be a little careful with this and i'd explain why but first let me explain what the trick is you know that when you turn on your phone's hotspot, you can actually give it a name. Mm. Normally, there's a default name. It'll be called Gavin's Samsung, or, or it'll be called, you know, Samsung X97. Yeah. Um, you can change the name. I recommend you change the name to the same as your Wi-Fi hotspot at home. Oh, so if your wow. home hotspot is called Lindsay, then you change the hotspot on your phone to Lindsay, which means that when you turn the hotspot on your phone on, your laptop and everybody else's devices just automatically connect to your phone and you don't have to connect them all up separately. And you use the same password, obviously. I was worried you were going to give like an old man kind of tip where it's not really a tip, it's just a tip because you heard it now. Oh, no. Um, but this is actually right. quietly mind-blowing. Right. So you, so you <laughs> name your phone hotspot the same as your home hotspot and you use the same password. So your devices basically think they're at home and they're yes. just connecting to the Wi-Fi. So this way you don't have to punch stuff in, you don't have to remember stuff. And it means that if you're with your family, all their devices will just connect through your phone hotspot automatically. In the car, for example, is a good way to use that. You know, you're traveling with your family, everyone's stuff just connects automatically. Um, 
the danger with this is that everybody's stuff just connects automatically. Yes. So, so suddenly someone, someone's laptop starts their Windows download and boom, there goes your entire data cap. Okay, so you do want to be a little careful about it, but it's just a convenient way to keep everyone connected. Nobody has to change their configuration in any way. And just in closing, Gavin, um, have you updated to, to the latest um, Windows update that dropped, I think, last week or this week? I think so, yeah. Have you have. experienced any problems? I have not. I have not. But now you're making me nervous. You obviously <laughs> have. Yesterday, my father-in-law pulled down. I mean, it's a it's an aging laptop that he has. He pulled down the latest update, and then mm. the you know that taskbar error. Yeah. Where the yeah. taskbar Ooh, doesn't respond to anything. That's a nasty one. Yeah. So here's a quick tip: if this ever happens to you, um, you Control Alt Delete it. You go into your Task Manager, then you go into Processes, and you look for Windows Explorer because taskbar is technically yes, an extension Windows of Explorer. Windows Explorer. Right. And when you close the Explorer process or end that process, it will then restore restart, your, right. yeah, restart and restore your taskbar to its right. former use. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of gremlins in, in the latest Windows <laughs> updates. Obviously, I'd lost access to the, the Surface Laptop 3 um, mm. because of that. Um, and yeah, just, just be safe out there. And that's kind of my shtick. I know I promised my action cameras video last mm, week yes and then it i'm was even champing a bit today um, yeah. i am finishing the edit today because i had some escom issues at home yesterday or transformer mm. failures and like the power would just go on and off intermittently lost a lot of data um through that process but yeah that oh. will be live when you hear this you can go to that opinion go on youtube um the blog's been very slow because i've been snowed under with other sorts of work but yeah the youtube videos are quite consistent every week that's my story Gavin. good good um i just want to put up a little flag if you're interested in the South African tech space generally probably the single biggest thing coming over the horizon right now is that Ecasa is busy about to auction off 5G spectrum that means that we go into overdrive for building 5G networks up to now it's just been a kind of a, a, a glint in the eye but once people have paid hard cash for the spectrum to roll out 5G it's then in their interest to go hard in order to get, make the money back and the upside of all this is that many, many billions of rands are going to flow into the national fiscus via the sale of the spectrum. I mean, it's a very politicized issue, but it's important to understand that the focus is on rolling out broadband to a much bigger section of the population than has ever had it before. We're going to watch the space carefully. That's the ICASA 5G broadband spectrum. That will be happening towards the end of the month. I think towards the end of this month, they announced the terms of how it's going to happen. Please keep an eye on that if you're interested in the South African ICT space. And um, that's about it from me. I've done an, an in-depth dive on the X50 Pro from Vivo, this phone camera that I've mm -hmm. um, been playing with. Um, and that's about it for the time being from me. I'm over and out. Kevin, how's it going on Tech Radar? Oh, it's going well on Tech Radar. I'm busy updating the phone lists. I'm putting a lot of effort into the cheap phones list. I've decided cheap phones are everything below 7,000 Rand. Mm. So I'm putting together my definitive collection of 10 phones below 7,000 Rand that I think you should have. I'm putting some effort into that at the moment. Okay, <laughs> that's awesome. So I will check you next week, Kevin. All right, cheers, cheers over and out. Bye, guys.